Yo, yo, what is up? I'm Andreas, and you're tuned in to the Never Summer Crew podcast. And today, we have a special, special guest. He started snow surfing back in 1981. And after meeting Tom Sims, he started a shop out of his apartment, which later turned into the boardroom. And since then, he hasn't missed a season of snowboarding. We bring you Never Summer's chairman of the boards, the chairman himself, Vince Sanders. So, I guess to start things off, I think it'd be cool to go back before Never Summer. Do you remember when you first got into snowboarding? Absolutely. It was uh, basically Christmas of 1981, and uh, my uh, mom bought my brother and I Burton Backhills for Christmas. So, we happened to have a Christmas blizzard. I grew up on Lookout Mountain, um, just above Golden, Colorado, and so... We had enough snow to where we could ride basically right behind our house. Uh, me and my brother, the back hills had the, you know, the rope, so you'd hold the nose up in powder. Um, we had a big Chesapeake Bay Retriever that was chasing us down the hill <laughs> on a wreck, and we get frustrated with him, but we ended up ditching the rope within like two runs when we figured out to put a little more weight on your back foot and stay afloat in the powder. So I ended up uh, riding throughout that storm while there was snow on lookout. And then I started going to Berthet Pass. Okay. So what was the snowboard scene like back then when you first got into it? There was not a scene, yeah. basically. There was, you know, um, there in my high school, I knew one person that snowboarded pretty much. And uh, I started meeting some other people up on Berthet Pass, Loveland Pass, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, people would instantly pull over whenever you're hitchhiking on Berthet because they're, what, what is that? I've never <laughs> seen that before. What are you guys doing? You know, so it was really easy to get rides. Nice. nice. What, uh, what sparked your interest without, with this being like an unknown thing at that time? Like what made you pull to, to do it and keep doing it? Well, um, you know, my mom just had a, a, you know a gift of finding unique things and wanted to get you know like any parent wants to you know get the kids outside and doing stuff and um, so it just kind of fell into my lap I wasn't really I you know skateboarded a little bit before we moved up to Lookout but on Lookout Mountain then it, it was all dirt roads so there wasn't really skateboarding so I didn't really have any experience in like that so it was basically you know the best Christmas present ever to get the snowboard and uh i just was instantly hooked and nice yeah super cool so yeah talking about this going off your skateboard you then talking about you had dirt road you know uh i heard you had a skate shop yeah talk about that a little bit uh, i did that was a kind of a journey from when i started snowboarding um basically I, you know, was starting up on Berthet Pass. Um, they ended up having one of the, you know, an early contest up there. And at that time when, you know, Tom Sims or Jake Burton would show up at a contest, they would win, you know. So they had a contest set up and on the west side of the road where the chairlift was, they set up, uh, you know, some gates and had a, you know, kind of a GS uh, course set up. Um, so I um, ended up at that contest, I met Tom Sims, was 
was there. Nice. And I ended up, uh, um, he asked, asked if I ever rode one of his boards, and I was riding an all-wood Burton Performer at the time. Sims boards were so far ahead of Burton, they had a P-Tex base, they had a metal edge, they had a base binding. It wasn't just a rubber strap over the top of your foot. Right on. It literally had a base binding with Fastex like backpack buckles that went over the top of your foot, so it was much more secure connection. And real important, they were uh, the, one of the first fiberglass epoxy. So you could use less wood and have a board that could actually be a little lighter weight and actually flex. And even though we're primarily riding powder, berth it on the resort, was either they didn't have grooming so it was either powder or bumps once it started getting bumped out then we would start hiking and stuff and going into the powder but anyways uh so their boards were light years ahead of everybody else's and um so i'm like yeah i want to ride one of your boards i took a couple runs on his board and i uh, came back and i'm like how do i get one he handed me a catalog um i still actually luckily have the catalog and that board um, which I'm, you know, really thankful that I was able to keep it. I wish I would have kept a lot of my old stuff, but I always wanted the newer stuff. But anyways, um, so I wrote it, you know, he handed me the catalog. You did it by mail order then. So okay. you mailed out a check. I had a, you had to pay extra for the metal edges. That was an addition. No so way. it was 50 bucks. <laughs> it would tack in a metal edge and it would take another, you know, six weeks or whatever. Went home, persuaded my mom to order it, said I don't need another birthday Christmas present for the rest of my life. I have to have this board. <laughs> Thankfully, she got it for me because that, you know, um, really changed uh, my life. Really, that, that board did because it gave me the contact with Tom Sims, and I kept in contact with him. I ended up riding on the original Sims Team 1, so I was a sponsored rider, but it was by far, you know, the level of, you know, their pro riders, but I was getting boards and I had contact with Tom. I ended up going to school in Boulder and uh, uh, the first year of school, I was talking to Tom and uh, he's like, is there a resort that allows snowboarding? Uh, just before that, we would do demos at resorts with area management to get snowboarding allowed. We did one in Aspen and, you know, a couple others. And at the time, Eldora was allowing snowboards. And I said, yeah, there's a re resort right up the road. They allow snowboards. He's like, I tell you what, how much money do you have in your account? Uh, I have like 600 bucks. He's like, send that to me, and then I'm going to send you, you know, four boards. All the boards came with bindings then, and he's like, when you sell them, don't blow it on partying or whatever. You know, call me when you sell them. Well, going to school and see you Boulder, I sold them instantly. So right on. I'd call Tom. Hey, I sold those boards. I'll send him send you some a check and some more money or whatever. And uh, it turned into you know four went to eight, eight went to sixteen, Just and you know before I knew it, I had the boardroom in my apartment. I had fifty some <laughs> Sims boards in my. Uh, in my apartment, so I was selling them really well. Um, everything's going great, and then Tom Sims uh, ended up uh, licensing out his brand to Vision Skateboards. And Vision Skateboards was the biggest skateboard manufacturer in the world at the time. Sims was having trouble keeping up with the demand, so he did that, licensed it out to Vision. Vision was, um, you know, a little more 
corporate than Tom Sims was at the time. So he said, Vince, we can't send boards, you know, anymore to your apartment. So I had ended up opening a shop at that time. Nice, um, nice. I used to run ads in the Rocky Mountain Classified. I would meet people on 6th Avenue and Union because it was kind of a central location for people going to the mountains from Denver. It was on the way to my parents' house. Sure. So I'd run classified ads in the Rocky Mountain News, meet people there. It was like a you know drug deal. They'd give me the money, and I would <laughs> give them their you know, Sims Blade in the parking lot. So when I had to go legit and get a shop, um, you know, I was like, well, that seems like a logical location. So I, in 1987, I opened the, the boardroom, okay. snowboard and skateboard shop in, in Lakewood. Nice, nice. So you, you're saying you've, like, never skated? Did you get into skating after that? I didn't really. I skated the GT, the you know, the plastic GT boards that were in For the sure. 70s. Yep. And, and then uh, once we moved up to Lookout, I you know, there wasn't really any pavement or anything, so I didn't really skateboard up there. So I didn't really have experience um, really with skateboarding. Um, I And basically what I did is I had a friend of mine that I went to high school with that was a big skateboarder. Um, he was also an artist. Okay, um, nice. Yeah, his name was Ian Duncan, and uh, I persuaded him. He'd never snowboarded. I'm like, hey, man, you want to, you know, I'm starting the shop. You want to come work for me? I need an artist. I need somebody that knows skateboarding. And I gave him a, you know, a Sims board right there on the spot. Yep. He came and worked for me. We ended up, uh, you know, I started out, I already had a vision account, so I had vision shoes and and skateboards and then i started carrying uh santa cruz dogtown gns um we actually did a dogtown demo in 1988 at the uh dmv because we knew it would be closed on a sunday (laughs) so we set up all the ramps and everything in the dmv parking lot because we knew we could get away with it have it there we had hundreds of people it was huge wow um the dogtown demo in there and yeah demo went you know cops came at right at the end of it and said you guys got to get out of here we're like yes sir we're out of here you know <laughs> so yeah so i had you know help with with the the skateboarding but we started out you know i started really with just a couple brands so right now for sure to add on that what do you think um about opening up a shop these days yeah justin that's it's so much harder you know uh, than when you know, I opened up a shop. Um, the internet changed everything with that. Um, you know, going back uh, back then, for a, a good example of why it's easier, uh, where did you go to get vans in the late 80s, early 90s? You went to a skateboard, surfboard shop to buy vans. Yeah. Now, you know, you can get a vans anywhere. You can go online, or shop, go to vans. or go do vans. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, there was, it was just so much easier, um, the competition, you know, the bigger, you know, some of the bigger businesses get involved for a small brick and mortar shop these days. It's really challenging. Yeah. I like that. I like that you were like core snowboarding. That's cool to me, obviously, but like, like that you're, you know, skating snow, but like, that's, it's cool that you hired your friend for, you know, his skateboard. Yeah, yeah. Your core snowboard, so. Sure, I needed a, you know, an artist to do. Yeah, you you needed the artist to do, you know, some, you know, logos for the shirts and things like that. Yeah, and I've noticed, like, the industry, how it fluxes, you know, how, like, one year it'll be cool, 
and then you know they sell and then the next year for whatever reason you know people aren't into it as much so it's kind of sure. these days you know it's like such a gamble I feel like I don't uh, know. Yeah, you in sales for a while yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. got to know how they go yeah yeah, so yeah you tough. know that yeah exactly yeah. everything changes so fast and by the time you buy something and get it in your store you know it's yeah. something yeah. Sitting on a bunch of inventory. Sure. Um, and then I, I really wanted to know, um, <clears throat> what's your current setup for the season? Oh, yeah. I love this uh, question. Uh, the Swift, I ride the Swift with Flux XF bindings and uh, Solomon Synapse nice. boots with the, the older school power lock lacing system on the Solomon boots. I like, but the Swift has been pretty much, I could honestly say that's my favorite board of all time you know i, I feel think like i've heard that a lot from different people too yeah like. for free riding and i'm an i'm you know uh i've went through different kind of stages in snowboarding where um you know i was when i was racing and competing you know i was riding you know you'd ride a freestyle board and half pipe and for powder and then you always had a racing setup with hard boots and plate sure. bindings for carving so uh, I have you know um, where I'd go through that and then I went through stages where I'm in the backcountry and then back to resorts and now with the soft boot carver like the Swift I you know you can lay out Euro carves on, a, on that board and then you can have such a uh, dynamic you know powder board and for riding trees it's just a complete free riding board I love it nice it's Skylar rides that right on our team Skyler's been on he has been on the Swift in the past and it showed the versatility you know yeah. even a freestyle rider like that can ride a you know a setback tapered board like that yeah. in the park but he's on the harpoon our harpoon that's now no, yeah so he kind of like went from the you know the I think the harpoon even fits his style even oh, yeah. even better but still you know has that like laid surfy yeah you know. laid back surfy feel and you touched base on on uh, your home mountain um, but like home resort. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I know it's, uh, I shouldn't say that cause Vale gets a bad rap and, you know, just being the giant conglomerate, but I'm, a, you know, I'm a Vail snowboarder. I love Vail. Um, I, you know, I love to ride anywhere. Sure. Certainly. And everything snowboarding never gets old and either does the resorts, like, you know, have fun on any mountain, but I Vail, um, you know, for resort riding, is pretty much uh, my home mountain and then uh in the backcountry Berthet pass you know i still ride Berthet. you know we're getting way further out than i ever had dreamed Je of actually jeff, jeff told us that he's seen you out there i think last season yeah so he yeah. was out there yeah. just randomly i can be seen out on <laughs> yeah. Berthet, and then uh in the backcountry in the spring i ride uh around the basin a basin to bakersville and grays nice. and tories and stuff around sure uh, the basin and uh, yeah, Juice and Bentley also love Vale. They, they, yeah, yeah, I've ridden very, with those guys. Very like, loud with those, it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good. The tour with Juice and Bentley on Vale is pretty special. That's what I hear. Guys, That's what yeah. I hear. They know all the stuff. Ride trees spots. hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sick. There you go. Okay, so I guess from the time when you first got into snowboarding and there wasn't any scene to you being at the DMV and doing the Dogtown demo, did you ever? have a vision of how snowboarding evolved to what it is today or is this just something you've been just following your the whole time like did you ever do you ever see it becoming this no i did you know andreas i did right away you know and i had when 
I first started the boardroom, I was, you know, rejected for loans and stuff like that. And both my, you know, my mom saw it, you know, yeah. just from the outside, saw what it was going to become. And, you know, I knew that it was going to, you know, be be where it is today. You know, I didn't have it doesn't surprise me at all that it's came this far, really. You know, I always knew, yeah, I try to, you know, I was rejected. Oh, that's just a fad, you know, trying to get loans. And I was trying to get a $10,000 loan at the time, which doesn't go far when you're trying to buy a size run of boots or, you know, you know, I was trying to buy like a size run of like airwalk boots or whatever back then. And uh, it doesn't go that far. And, uh, you, you know, I had many people say, oh, you know, we're not, we're uncertain. This is risky. We think it's a fad. And yeah, I, I, I company, yeah, yeah, it's on. new, but I, you know, I, I just knew that it was, you know, yeah, it was going to be big. You know. Was there something, something about it that you, that made you know? Probably just the f- sensation of snowboarding itself and yeah. what it did for me, you know, like it, it's so encompassing on, you know, your whole being, I guess, you know, like, um, I'd say more, you know, just uh, the feeling of, of snowboarding and, and I knew that what it did to me, it would, it would, that would be captured in with other people. Yeah. What, what exactly did it do to you? Um, yeah, uh, just, uh, you know, I felt like I was, you know, when riding powder, like I felt like I was, you know, floating on the clouds and just (laughs) the feeling of of a turning on the board and in the trees and the environment and and just everything and i was i was a skier before that but i had no desire it was the powder you know i didn't want to go to you know back skiing bumps at mary jane i was just like you know i want to i want to go ride powder on birth it i want to snowboard oh yeah yeah that's cool (laughs) so surfing the snow you know? surfing Back, the snow you know it, early on it wasn't called snowboarding it was snow surfing yeah, yeah snowboarding yeah, snow surfing sticking you know it wasn't really i have old bibs from context that's <laughs> contests that say snow surfing that's awesome international and stuff what oh, when snurfer board the snurfer board yeah yeah, yeah. Like when and why did they change it to snowboarding? I don't know when snowboarding, you know, uh, it, it was early on. I mean, yeah. it was, there was international snowboard magazine. So it was, it was early, you know, it was definitely early on, but okay. it was always, you, you always thought of surfing the snow. Yeah. And the early boards, that's what they're, you know, mimicking with some of the early boards. If you look at, you know, Tim and Tracy's first board, the Swift right outside the, the door there it has skags on it right yeah they always put skags on boards it didn't do anything we took them off you know right away because we try to ride down hard packed snow and you know you come down to the bottom and a trailhead would be packed out and it would you know the skags would mess with you so instantly we took the skags off so the reason they had those like my sims has had channels in it like a surfboard it was all the mentality was just that you're surfing the snow right that's even where like skateboarding was born from just needing something to do between the off seasons so is it you think that's why you fell back in love with the swift board today 
Yeah, I, that's a good point. And I bring that up how it's, you know, it's amazing how it kind of has came that almost full circle with that, with these boards, with the short tail. I love that short tail, you know, to the maneuverability and brushing it around in tight spaces and the weight over the back foot and that kind of so surf nice. style feel, the, you know, yeah. surf inspired uh, carving and slashing and, you know, just, uh, um, yeah, so it's it, it's amazing that it came back like that. And, you know, you can have a, you know, with all the modern technology on a, on a tapered, you know, you know, swallowtail board like that. It's yeah. pretty amazing. So speaking of the Swift, how did you get involved with Never Summer? With Never Summer, I was involved, I got involved with Never Summer, um, uh, you know, when Never Summer started in 91, it was like, they started in 91, but it was probably a little bit later when uh, Tracy came, you know, by my shop, 91, 92. I'd heard of Never Summer because my brother was living up in Summit County and they were pressing the first year they were pressing boards at uh, Summit Snowboard. So and I knew of them, but, you know, um, Tracy came in, uh, you know, to my shop and uh, was showing me, you know, the P-Tech sidewall. Um, that made sense. I was like, yeah, you know, the durability of that. They had a Colorado base, you know, and I'm like, well, yeah, people will eat that up. And they, you could order the boards with, uh, the boards had cloth top sheets, so you could pick out all these different designs. I'm like, you know, that, you know, we can make these pretty unique um our order unique and uh they also you could get them inserted or non-inserted and so that was huge because at the time stances were getting wider most of the stances before that were you know 16 17 inch real narrow stances stances were getting wider and we were cutting boards in the shop so we're t-netting boards and cutting them so they're all directional boards right so people wanted twins it was like the freestyle revolution you wanted a twin shaped board. Well, I already had a directional board, the cheapest way. Take it to the boardroom and we would, you know, take a, you know, saw and hack off the ends and trace it, make it a twin. And then we'd remount it T-netted to twin it out. So you'd have a centered stance, twin shape. Those boards sucked in powder, obviously, <laughs> but people were wanting to jib and, you know, kind of the whole freestyle progression and revolution. Well, never summer could adapt to these changes really quick because they were smaller so they had twin tip boards and they had where you could buy them non-inserted so i'd buy a bunch of boards without inserts and t-net them in the shop because one you could t-net those wide stances for sure and then two baseless bindings were starting to come into fashion so that the idea behind that was more board feel these wide stances baseless bindings so you could t-net the baseless bindings and then also when disc binding started coming into play, you could, you know, somebody could buy a new disc Burton 3D disc binding and you could T-net that board. So um, that, the cloth top sheets being super unique, the P-Tech sidewall, Colorado base, I'm like, yeah, I think we can sell these. You know, um, they didn't look as polished as the other brands and, you know, but with that Colorado local, you know, handmade in Colorado, I told Tracy, yeah, I think we can sell these. I came, went down, he's like, well, come by, you know, we've got a shop set up. 
come by the factory. It was, uh, there might have, you know, I only remember him and Tim, and there might have been a couple other people, but it was really small, maybe, I don't know, 1,000 square feet. And uh, they had the one press, and Tracy was showing me how he was bending the edges and stuff. And I kept thinking in my mind, I'm like, I don't think it's going to make it. I think, you know, I did, I wasn't going to tell him that because I was buying boards, but I was like, these, yeah. you should be charging more for these. I don't, you know, this seems like a lot of, you know, labor intensive to build these boards. And um, I just was like, I don't know if they can make it, but, it, you know, just that being able to adapt to these changes in the marketplace really quick, the Colorado feel and the durability, and it kind of just gathered a cult following, you know. And then when they started doing the wider boards, um, things like that, um, you know, uh, they got a, a good following by the guys that were riding the wider boards because they were harder on boards and with Colorado low snowpack. They'd break boards. Their friend would be like, hey, just buy a Never Summer. It's, you know, going to last. So anyways, and, uh, yeah, I started, uh, you know, I went down. Okay, I'm going to get some boards. Tracy in his office had all these samples, all these cloth top sheets, and I'd pick, I want these on, you know, the I want this on the 61 wide. I want these on the, you know, 57 directional. I want the twins with this one so I could kind of cherry pick these different patterns and stuff and oh, yeah. a little metal emblem for the branding oh that's cool <laughs> yeah i don't know if you've seen those i've but seen them yeah they're like yeah. little buttons yeah so stuff. that was the only branding on a board it was like eclipse sun and then never summer wow across so um yeah anyways that's kind of when i started uh you know uh getting involved with never summer and so you got involved in numbers. Now, when did you did you come here immediately after your shop closed down? I, I did, yeah. I had a, you know, I knew I, you know, this is all I've ever done in my life. I've only worked in the snowboarding industry yeah. besides, like, you know, washing dishes and stuff like that with the kids. So I didn't really have any experience doing anything else. I knew I, I, knew I was needed to be in the snowboard. I was going to be in the snowboarding business. Absolutely. And, uh yeah, so I, you know, that was in, uh, you know, 2009, right around the kind of recession and stuff and everything with all the other factors with the retail landscape, you know, with, uh, it was just becoming harder and harder and I was working more and more and, um, you know, everything was changing and, and anyways, when I closed the shop down, I, you know, met with Tracy and I knew the main reason I was like, Never Summer is who I want, you know, to work for. Um, I knew uh, how revolutionary Rocker Camber was. And, you know, um, I was like, they're onto something here. This is unbelievable. It's, you know, it's a family company. You know, these people I, you know, want to work with Never Summer. So, um, you know, fortunately, they took me in. No, that's super cool, super cool. 2009, though, man, I was still playing in a sandbox. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so what are you doing here now? You're doing sales then still. You just, you just moved yeah, over? Yeah, I, I mean, I work with, the you know, the uh, customer service, okay. um, uh, the direct sales, and then uh, the marketing team. Right on, right on. So big question I had for sure, how did the pandemic affect you for sure? You're area in this company 
for me, it, I, I didn't, you know, I really didn't stop. I was coming in here one, um, you know, somebody needed to, you know, be here. We're still getting materials, you know, we're still operating through the pandemic. So absolutely, for me, um, a lot of people, you know, did the route of with so many people did with working from home. But, you know, I came in here in which, you know, I think Tracy appreciated because if he wasn't going to be down here, I could do some things for him. And the big thing I was doing, too, is this uh, I was selling a lot of split boards. Really? I was meeting people. It was like the old times, you know, <laughs> yeah. days I was meeting people off the highway and stuff nice. like that because everybody, when the resorts yeah, closed, the resorts, you yeah. know, everybody's like, I still want a snowboard. Now yeah. is the time I'm going to buy a split board, right? I could see that so, for sure. I didn't even know, think about that. We were selling tons of split boards. Um, Jared and I were still going up onto Berthed. Me, Jared, and Harry were still riding on Berthed till it got kind of weird, you know, oh, we don't want to be that guy that gets hurt and goes to the hospital or whatever, but we were still up on Berthoud and it was, we were getting good snow. And uh, we started, I started thinking, I'm like, Jared, we need to, you know, start messing with some of the tooling back there and uh, to develop a, you know, kind of a more price point split board. So during the pandemic, we kind of worked on the icon okay. and Epic split. So we had, you know the shape um, for that icon using old uh, cassettes from the west split shape and then we wanted to use like an updated profile so we put the Adams profile in it give you a little more traction underfoot on the uphill and with that early rise nose and then kind of uh, adjusted the materials and the construction to reduce the price because I knew you know coming out of this like you know split boarding was going to have a big surge obviously yeah and it did so we were able to stay busy you know um keeping everything going and luckily we you know we we're able to with uh building some of the marine corps the military skis were able to stay open as an essential business yes and, sir and so yeah so the pandemic i i worked throughout the whole pandemic nice i still got that un unemployment scam though <laughs> right. where I was like, you know so yeah. somebody claimed unemployment on on me but, but i you know i i, I was still able to we're still, still yeah. able to work Hell so yeah. well vince man it's a privilege of sitting here and getting to talk with you for sure on this you got to be through this upcoming of the snowboard and uh i'm curious how old are you I'm a uh, double nickels. Double nickels, okay. okay. Yeah, so. And you were just saying you did competitions and kind of raced. Like, so nowadays, like, how often do you still, how often do you get out and ride, you know? Um, you know, I get out at least a day a week. Okay. You know, I try to go more, and then I'll take a trip, you know. Right on, right on. How's how's so, your uh, body? You definitely feel it over the years. A big old difference. I, not or? not so much snowboarding is easier on me. I ride dirt bikes and motocross, oh, right. so that that's where that. it takes its toll on my body. It seems like snowboarding is like, <laughs> it, you know, knock on wood. I haven't you know I haven't missed this snowboard season since ninety since eighty one. So, that's what's up. <laughs> you know, I want to keep that going as long as as long as I can. Yup, yo. Oh hell yeah. Yeah, no, it was just great talking to you, Vince. Um, you've always been a super huge inspiration, but also helped to me, you know, through my when uh, throughout BC and everything. You've always been super helpful, and yeah, I appreciate just the opportunity to sit down and talk with you. Right on. It's good to talk to you guys too. Yeah, for sure. I think I got a couple final yeah, questions. So, being through Never Summer this whole time, I'm wondering what 
today makes it makes it so unique what makes it special to you um that it's never summer has kept you know that kind of same feel it's had uh from its beginnings you know so it's unique in the fact that you know the tim and tracy are still the owners it's still hands-on you have all kinds of people that are still here um you guys you know interact with justin and bentley blayo and all (laughs) these other people that have been here so long george and finishing you know gags over here in the office been with never summer forever and uh harry you know being around harry harry worked at the boardroom so have him everett was a boardroom kid he's now a team rider and works with us in customer service and then um you know just the same kind of family feel yeah of, of people here and you yeah when i first started working that's what i got you right guys away. feel no, all feel that yeah. and yeah every every department has just such amazing people yeah. throughout the whole company so i'd say the the you know the people and then uh just never summer you know um sticking to you know that same kind of uh kind of values and and uh with tim and tracy are so down to earth you know and it kind of i think that feel trickles down yeah yeah definitely definitely felt that when i first came here and still feel it yeah for my short like two years that i've been here but (laughs) i guess last thing i'm wondering is what does it mean to be a snowboarder to you um i i identify myself as a you know a snowboarder i think it's you know the first thing probably people think of me and or think of me when they that people that know me or or have heard of me or whatever oh he's a snowboarder you know i i think of myself as a as a shredder you know um first because it embodies i don't there's not a day that it, it goes by that i'm not thinking about it whether it's part of the business part or the fun of snowboarding and it you know it never gets old um to me but uh it just uh you know uh probably uh you know that uh the you know the freedom and sensation and feeling of of snowboarding i guess that's awesome that answers it i don't know (laughs) no that's pretty much answered your question or not hell yeah no i appreciate it it was super cool talking to you yeah, so Vince, man, uh, yeah, I like going off that. Everybody I've talked to so far, man, what they bring up first is legend, Vince. What, when you say Vince, they say legend. I, I swear to God, man, we were at we literally at the skate park in uh, where's that? Our, in Arvada, and we had Jared there and a bunch of other guys. We had a Never Summer tent up, and some random dude walked up and he was asking for you, and we were like just shooting the shit, and he was just like we were like talk and he's like he literally said he's like yeah vince is the legend man we're i'm just amazed by that and i'm kind of curious but i've also heard about this uh chairman vince uh, you got to kind of explain this to (laughs) me first off you know like i had you know the with the boardroom there was so many good i had so many great customers and just people and you know i and without them i wouldn't be you know sitting here right now and without snowboarding i probably wouldn't be here at all you know i'd probably be dead or something but uh you know snowboarding really saved my life but i don't think of a legend to me is terry kidwell 
Okay. And he's the godfather of freestyle snowboarding. I know Terry. And when Terry came into Never Summer, I was starstruck. And I, you know, even knowing uh, Terry, but I, you know, say the same thing to him, you know, in, in what he told me, I said, Terry, you're, you know, you're a legend. He's like, no, Vince, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, yeah, I was just somebody that liked, I liked to snowboard. Yeah. You know, and I don't feel like, you know, a legend. I, you know, I just think people, a lot of people well, like now, know me and. Yeah. Now getting to know your backstory a little bit about the skate shop. I think that's what they look at is your legend. Yeah. Cause you kind of brought this in to where something kind of wasn't, you know? This, yeah. That, yeah, that definitely was, I mean, it was, you know, 22 years and stuff uh, you know having the shops that you run into you know meet a lot of people as justin you yeah. know knows being at bc and and stuff and uh you know uh i did you know i used to do some crazier stuff too so oh, i believe it probably added to it a little bit in the backcountry. i had some you know i did some stuff that i shouldn't probably shouldn't have done or shouldn't good be alive stories. today doing you know? and you know you can go into that sometime but uh you know that might have you know made me a little more renowned you know in in kind of the colorado snowboarding circles but yeah what was the other part of your question the the chairman the chairman Uh, yeah the chairman what's up so yeah the, the chairman so basically uh when i had when i was selling boards out of my apartment and you know i had the 50 boards people would come in and and, oh my god man this is the boardroom so when i started the shop you know f- the first name i had was shred shed but that was already taken that's by a cool shop. oh man <laughs> and uh so i'm like well the boardroom and uh i'm like everybody called it the boardroom so i'll call the shop the boardroom so instantly um people started calling me the chairman the chairman of the board chairman of the, board, the boardroom right. so that kind of stuck and then uh you know uh when i was when i was here um basically we were I wanted a board that was kind of you know specific to my riding style more of a directional free ride board that's stiffer a lot of dampening uh, you know a unique side cut and something that I could a true soft boot carver that I could euro carve on but still have okay. that flotation of rocker camber and everything you know we love about rocker camber um, easier to ride so uh, you know we lost the premier which was kind of that board and the board I was riding we lost that the Raptor kind of replaced it but I never gravitated that as much so we started working on uh, this board um, a really specific uh, free ride you know free carving per se board and uh, and the board you know road grade I remember the night of the trade show they were we were building it obviously they don't let me you know i don't have the skills you do grant i'd have rubber <laughs> stuck to my head and stuff so they don't let me build it but i was there with it and we were uh our production manager we were, they were laying up this board and uh i was so excited because i'm going to take it to the trade show show it to people and um you know i'd ridden you know some prototypes and it was exactly kind of the board i wanted you know um and uh Anyways, uh, so when the board was going to go into the line, they had a round table and they're trying to come up with names for it. And, you know, I was so adamant about it. I'm like, oh, we, you know, we need this kind of board. We need this kind of board. And pretty much they, you know, listened to me 
sometimes you know sometimes it, it you know some of the boards that i like aren't the best selling boards by any means so they take it with a grain of salt but i was so adamant about it i want this board and uh so when it came time to naming it um they're trying to come up with names and uh tracy said uh, you know it's vince's board just call it the chairman I'm like okay that's nice that's right so yeah, yeah so had the chairman like and had a you know it had a pretty good run at a six-year run Damn. in the line so that was pretty good that's for sure that's super but, good hell yeah yeah and uh you know now we have the proto fr and you know the triple camber and my beloved swift so i have boards so i you know when they're getting rid of the chairman you know i was on the chopping block it wasn't it was bittersweet but i wasn't completely bummed because for sure I had you know there was other boards i, I like as much or more nice 